Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, I am sharing one of our favorite discussions to date. Lauren and I were recently interviewed on the YouTube show and podcast called Your Life, Your Terms where we enjoyed a fun and focused conversation with one of the show's hosts, Anthony Molinero. And today we are so excited to share it with you. The Your Life, Your Term show is on a mission to help their listeners live life on their own terms. And as you know, adopting a minimalist lifestyle has given us the space and time back to do exactly that. Removing the excess in our lives has given us the opportunity to feel free and live our lives with intention. And in our conversation, we discuss our minimalist lifestyle experiences and lessons, as well as a background on us, including how our minimalist lifestyles and the podcast came to be and much more. We hope that you feel motivated by our minimalist lifestyle stories and feel immersed in our conversation as we dive into simplicity, intentional living, and all of the benefits that come with living with less. Be inspired to let go of the excess in your life and gain more time, more headspace, more peace, and more of what you truly want out of life. Okay, so I'm sitting here live with Kelly Foss and Lauren Morley, and you guys are the Millennial Minimalists. Yes. We are. Okay, so what is the Millennial Minimalist? For anybody that doesn't know, give us the quick intro. So we are Millennial Minimalists. We built this podcast back in 2018. We help people simplify their lives and live with greater intention every day. And it's super rewarding. We started the podcast again five years ago. And my goodness, it's been an amazing journey thus far. Lauren is the innate minimalist and I am the minimalist adopter. So that's a dynamic between the two of us. And we have one-on-one conversations where we talk about our lifestyles and our experiences and our tips. And then I also interview best-selling authors about their experiences, their books, and their insights to share additional information on this lifestyle and how to better your life. Those conversations with the authors and everything, is that all based around minimalism? Yes. Everything is focused on personal development. So minimalism is about living a simpler, more intentional life. So we can talk about everything, which is the most amazing part of this topic. And, you know, you can never run out of things to talk about. So I've interviewed everyone from Gretchen Rubin. So she's a huge New York Times bestselling author. She talks about, uh, she has a book called Outer Order, Inner Calm. So it's like once we have outer order, we will find inner calm. We talked with Nirayal, who talks about how to manage distractions in our everyday. We talk about how to live more mindfully, how to be more focused at work. It's just endless conversations. Like who wouldn't want to live a simpler, more intentional life? That's what I always like to say. Yeah. So is that how you would define minimalism is just a simpler, more intentional life? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more to it. It's an opportunity to remove the excess from your life so that you can focus on the things that are most important to you. And it also really challenges you to face yourself in ways because once you've removed that excess stuff, whether it be physical or mental or digital, you then have to say, okay, well, what am I going to do with all of this newfound time that I have, this time and space? And so... You Fill have, it with more stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then that's a part of it. You have to manage everything. That's that's the maintenance everywhere. mode. That's, that's the, the maintenance part. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Lauren, so you're the innate minimalist. So have you just always lived a very simple and intentional life or at least aspired to? And it was just kind of in your nature to do that? 
Yeah, so ever since I was a kid, I thought I was so weird because people <laughs> thought my bedroom was a spare bedroom. My parents would be like, what do you guys want for Christmas? And I would just give them one thing. Like I was just, I thought I was a weirdo. <laughs> and, you know, even my desk as a child, when everyone had them stuffed full of folders and highlighters, I had my one pencil in my desk. And I just love simplicity ever since I was a child. So, so why were you like that? It was just, I don't know. did you already feel the benefits? or? Yeah, I just, I liked a distraction-free surface. And, you know, I think because my parents are boomers, I grew up in a home with a lot of stuff. And I always said to myself, one day I'm going to have my own home and it's going to be so simple and so beautiful. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, even once I was older and had that home, it was just anyone who came to my place, they'd be like, oh, did you just move in? Or, and I had lived there for five years. But yeah, I've, I've always lived this way. And when I found the documentary on minimalism by The Minimalist, it was the first time that I was able to define my lifestyle and realize that how I lived, other people actually aspired to live that way. And people wanted simple as Kelly would say, simpler, more intentional lives with less stuff. So I felt like I was onto something. So these guys, the minimalists, they came out with this documentary. Would you guys say these guys brought minimalism to the mainstream? I would say, yeah, absolutely. They are one of the initial pioneers behind the movement. There's a lot of people in the space from Leo Babauta. He has a blog called zenhabits.net, and uh, he's one of the top 25 bloggers in the world. There's, uh, I just interviewed him last week, uh, Joshua Becker. He's a father, so he gives the perspective of being a minimalist as a dad. Mm -hmm. And then we came in and we said, hey, here's a female perspective and two young millennials who are adult children who don't want their parents' excess stuff. It's a major problem, as Lauren said, the boomers. We both grew up with so much stuff and we learn we don't want your stuff. And we, we have many listeners who are across all generations. It's not just millennials. We speak to Gen X, we speak to the boomers. A lot of the boomers wanna know, like, you know, what should I do with this stuff now that my children don't want it, right? So there's a lot of questions that we get to answer. So do you think there's like a foundational difference between boomers and millennials in general with how they treat stuff? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, boomers were, they're in a generation where their parents didn't have a lot of stuff. So they were, it's a learned behavior that, hey, the more you have, the more successful you are. And so they clung to their stuff. And then now we're, we're in this society where we're like, we don't want your stuff. We yeah. feel lighter and more free without that stuff. And, you know, Joshua Becker always says, he says, you know, a lot of people, maybe the life that you've always wanted to live is buried under everything you own. And I think that's a great line because it just reminds you, it's like, wow, like this lifestyle helps you remove all that excess so you can really see clearly and so, see what's, um, what's truly, what truly lights you up as well. So how do you make the connection between the stuff you own and like the life you've always wanted? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. where's the, where's the connection there? Yeah. So a lot of the, I know it goes deep and yeah. trust me, I've, I've gone down this rabbit hole, but I want people to, to see that connection. Like what does all this extra stuff or clutter have to do with living a better life? Well, a lot of the time we cling on to things because we don't want to face the reality of things, right? So we hold on to all this excess stuff thinking that it's going to make us happy when really it's just a distraction. So for me, for example, I was going through a career transition in my life at one point, and this is 2018, right before we started the podcast. I always loved producing content and writing. I knew that. 
and I was running a community empowerment event based off a podcast I was listening to in the personal development space. And, and then I met, well, I had been friends with Lauren and I saw how she lived and I was like, wow. So I started removing that physical excess and I started with my closet and it was the solution to me feeling lost in life. It was like, wow, once I started getting rid of all the stuff I hadn't used for a while or was no longer me, you know, the things that I clung onto that were fantasy versions of me, I was like, no, just let it go. And I started asking myself, oh, wow, like, no, like everything became more clear. My thoughts became more clear. I started meditating and I feel like meditating is a way to face yourself and to Mm -hmm. face your own thoughts and realize, hey, no, like everyone has that gut feeling and it enabled me to chase that gut feeling and and start that podcast with Lauren. But we'll go into detail about our story because it's really funny, actually. Okay, so I had, yeah, how did you guys meet? <laughs> On Craigslist. Who? <laughs> so I who was searching for who? So I sell real estate in Toronto. I was in my early 20s. I just started and I was advertising other people's listings, rental listings on Craigslist. And Kelly messaged me to see one. Mm -hmm. And doing showings, I know you're in real estate. So especially condominiums downtown, everyone always complains about how small the closet is. And Kelly showed up and I was like, oh, this girl's going to complain about the closet. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to her, I'm like, I know the closet's small. And she's like, oh, I don't own that many clothes. And I was like, oh, and we should go for a drink. Like we have a lot in common. And then it just, we just kind of became friends from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was it. Just from the one showing. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Lauren's like, she's like, oh my goodness, me neither. I don't own many clothes either. And then I think I asked you out, right? Yeah. 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 I was like, we should do coffee. (laughs) So did you guys, well, you are always doing this, but did you intentionally go down the minimalism rabbit hole before you started decluttering your closet? So it was actually our friendship. So spending more time together. My parents always had a lot of stuff. I never loved having a lot of stuff. So I didn't have that much stuff, okay. admittedly, before this lifestyle, before adopting this lifestyle, in terms of the physical side of this lifestyle, right? Because there's many, many areas of excess in our lives. But I remember going to Lauren's house and thinking exactly what she said before. I was like, wow, like, did you just move in? Like, everything <laughs> was just perfectly placed. There was a home for every item. And that's something we recommend our listeners do. Have a home for every item so you don't waste your time looking for items. So many people, I forget what the stat is around that, but it's like we waste so much time every day just looking for things. I know. And getting dressed in the morning. We'll go into that. Helping people get dressed in the morning within seconds. It's just helping simplify decision making every day. So anyways, I saw how she lived. I started decluttering my closet and then I started meditating and then I started you know, writing down my thoughts and I, I started simplifying every other area of my life. Like you go on down this wonderful rabbit hole. It's like you declutter one area, then you start decluttering other areas from, you know, your relational clutter to your spiritual clutter. There's so many areas of excess. Yeah. Once the ball starts rolling, you really build up momentum mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, hey, what's next? Yeah. What's next? What's next? Yeah. yeah. It is a rabbit hole. eh? That's exactly how it happened for me. Like once mm. my girlfriend came over and she's like, she just made this one little comment. She's like, you know, you have a lot of like knickknacks like in your room. I'm like, what are you talking about knickknacks? Like <laughs> these are souvenirs from my travels. Like, what are you talking about knickknacks? And then like the next day I was looking around my room and I was like, oh my God, she's right. They are knickknacks, at least to the outside eye. But then I was looking around, I'm like, I haven't even looked at these things in so long. Like they have no yeah. meaning to me anymore. And uh, 
then I was really struggling with what to get rid of. And I think I was searching Google for help decluttering or something. Cause I was just really struggling with the process of like what to keep, what to get rid of. And that's how I kind of, I think discovered minimalism content specifically, which I really needed cause it gave me a framework and rules that I could stick to for decluttering, which was huge for me. Cause you really do face yourself when you're getting rid of stuff. You face your past life, you face your future aspirations, which aren't really happening because maybe you've moved on from them to like take a different path. You just face a lot of uncomfortable emotions. Mm-hmm. It's very trippy. Mm-hmm. And people might be like, yeah, dude, like get over it. Just get rid of your stuff. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's something more to it. There's right. someone, something so much more to it. And I always like to say the minimalist TK Coleman, his line is so beautiful. He says, minimalism isn't so much about things. It is about the baggage that we've accumulated over time that gets in the way of us being our true selves. Mm. Yeah. Or being who you want to be. Yeah. And even look at your trips are in your memories. They're in the photographs. They're not in little trinkets around your bedroom. Like, I think that's such, mm. you know, a realization we all have to make is that our, li- our lives are not lived in our stuff. It's like lived in our experiences and our memories. And mm-hmm. yet we try to bring it down to this little souvenir we brought on a trip. Yeah, I realized those things just triggered the memory. Yeah. And it's really just the memory that I wanted. Yeah, for sure. And then I realized I didn't need the actual thing. I just needed to trigger the memory. And so a lot of those souvenirs that I gave up, I just took a photo of them. Yeah, which you can mm-hmm. do. And now they don't clutter up things, but I can go back and look at that photo. I'm like, oh yeah, I had this ridiculous stingray hat. It was like a <laughs> plush stingray hat that I bought when I was a kid at the Vancouver Aquarium in the gift shop. Uh-huh. And it was just in my closet. Like I didn't have it out, thankfully, in my 20s, you know, in my room. But uh I was like, why am I holding on to the Stingray hat? Like, just take a photo of it and move on with it. It it just became so ridiculous after I realized how many Mm knickknacks I kind of did have in my life. But in your guys' own journey, what were the benefits? I feel like you've always just lived this life, so I'm not sure if there is maybe as much of a contrast as you might have, Kelly, with uh, some of the benefits you had when you started decluttering. Well, for Lauren, I mean, you can speak to this, but she realized that she's an innate minimalist when it came to the physical things. But other areas of excess, like mental clutter, emotional clutter, spiritual clutter, digital clutter, relational clutter, those are all areas that Lauren realized, like, I need to work on that as well. So, yeah, for sure. Or even calendar clutter. Like, you can, my uh, condo was empty, but like my calendar was jam packed. So, it's definitely, you know, people think you can get rid of your stuff, but there's so many areas. And I still struggle with mental clutter and emotional clutter and, you know, finding ways to meditate and, to clear my mind and like live a calm life because that's the way my physical possessions are. But yeah, like Kelly said, there's so many areas. And you guys notice an ongoing benefit from sticking to this practice? I mean, absolutely. I mean, for me, I'll, I'll start by saying this, there's five ways that this lifestyle has completely changed my life for the better. Uh, the first Got is, categorized. I like well, yeah, the first is it's helped me let go, but in all areas of my life, let go of Physical things might be clinging to certain thoughts and ideas and unlearning ideas that no longer serve me today. You know, we learn so many ideas as a child and then we grow up and we're like, wait, that doesn't really, I don't really associate with that anymore. So it's realizing that it's helped me live closer to my values and, you know, see my family, be intentional with my time where I'm spending it. I like to say it's also helped me uh, gain the time and space back to explore my curiosities and build a passion. And my passion is to connect with people and to inspire other people to fully see what really lights them up or pursue the thing that lights them up. 
So it's given me that. Uh, it's also given me the space to live my authentic, be my authentic self. I, I was shy my whole childhood. And when I tell people that they're like, really? Like they cannot believe it because mm-hmm. I'm ex- an extreme extrovert. But I was super shy at one point. And now I'm like, oh, I can just embrace my myself. And, you know, I've been able to. So how did minimalism help with that? Oh, my goodness. Like it it enables you to be more mindful and more present in your everyday. Once you clear the excess, the distractions, you're more at peace within yourself. So then you can go out in the world and just embrace yourself. You know, you're not always looking for that distraction. You start sitting back. You There's a sense of calm that you gain when you let go of all the stuff that is just a distraction. And lastly, it's helped me turn outwards. It's given me the time and space back to help others, to volunteer more, to inspire other people, to listen to other people. find a lot of us, we're not as good of listeners as we think we are, so. Do you feel, do you feel like you have more time than you did before? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Do you, do you ever feel like you struggle with time? You know what, I mean, I think it, there's no way to perfect it, but I definitely have a time management system that I follow these days that helps me manage my time. For me, I learned what I learned about myself is that I, I can have a passion project or you know a work project and I can spend five hours on it if I don't tell myself, okay, you have a two hour window to do this. Because if, if I do that, then I'll get it done in two hours, which yeah. is great. So I'm better at managing my time right now. I'm also, you know, this lifestyle's helped me figure out, okay, what's essential and what's non-essential. There's an author named Greg McEwen. He wrote a book called Essentialism and another a second book called Effortless. Uh, I interviewed him about both books and essentialism helps us figure out, okay, what's essential in our life and what's non-essential. You know, there's so many people in this world, they feel overwhelmed. There's not enough time in the day. It's like, well, stay, take the first thing I would recommend is take a step back, figure out what's most essential to you and then eliminate the rest. How would you define essential? So the things that are truly meaningful to you bring value to your life. Yeah. The things that are not essential are the, is everything else, basically. Everything that does not bring value. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it's deciding between the two. Mm-hmm. And the decision-making process is the hardest. And that's why I think a lot of people struggle these days because of the paradox of choice. And we've had Barry Schwartz on the podcast. He's... He's the thought leader behind that. And it's all about, you know, there's so we're, we're so privileged, right? You know, as Celeste Headley would say, she says, we have time to, you know, we have time to stress about things. And, you know, stress is a privilege in ways. Yeah, no, it is. We live in excess. Yeah. Like more people, I think, in the world now struggle with obesity mm. than with starvation. Mm. Like it's, it's just gone completely the other way. Um, I've heard other stats about like uh, that the, the minimalists have said about how, um, the average American household is, I think, 300,000 items in That's it. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that just crazy it's to think crazy about? crazy to think about. And then I heard another one that it's America has 25%, has 3% of the world's children and 25% of the world's toys. <laughs> and that's just like gross to wow. think about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we get a lot of questions about toys. <laughs> yeah, do you? We get a lot of listeners that say like, you know, what do I do with gifts that we don't want? And so I always say, you know, set the intention first. Tell people, hey, our kids don't need any more stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have children yet, but we like to give our advice. And my mom's a daycare worker. She was for 30 years. So I always have the advice from her, which is great. But uh, that's a common question. So I like that you bring that up because a lot of people are like, oh, what do I do with this gift that, or this unwanted gift? And I always say, 
the gift is in the act of giving. So you can do whatever you want with that gift after you receive it. Yeah, yeah. You can quietly pass it on, maybe. Yep. You can re-gift it. You can sell it. You can do whatever. I'll never forget. I bought Lauren a orchid once, and I was like, if she throws it out in two days, I'm totally okay with that. And you did. Yeah, the point was the, the thought, right? <laughs> the thought, exactly. Yeah. You throw it out. Or you can just leave the gift to the person's house who gave it to you. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's funny. I'm a big re-gifter. So if I don't want yeah. it, I'm just like, right. sweet, that saves me a gift for next year or whenever the next occasion comes up, let's just pass it on. No, that's smart. So how do you recommend people start with this journey? I guarantee a bunch of people already listening and being like, yeah, yeah, you're, you guys are nailing it. I feel this way. I feel like I don't have time. You know, my closet's cluttered. My home is cluttered. The toys are all over the place. How do people start? Like what's the easy access point for people to get into this? I would say, you know, the biggest benefit of minimalism is that you're going to get time back. And time's the one thing that, you know, you can't buy time. Mm -hmm. So, and you think of all of the time it takes to go to work and make money and to buy things and all the time you spend shopping or returning things and managing that stuff. Minimalism gives you all of that time back. And for me, that's the biggest benefit that I've gotten out of this lifestyle is to pursue my dreams and my passions and my creativity. So I would sit down and write out what would you do with your life if you had significantly more time? Like, what are those massive, ambitious goals you could go after? Like, would you spend more time with your friends, your family? What hobbies would you have? You know, what? where would you put your money? What would you invest in? It's realizing you know this life of your dreams this like vision board if if you could do it instead of sitting drowning in all of your personal items that you probably don't use that much if at all yeah it's almost like trying to invest when you're already in a bunch of debt it's like yeah. you might be better off just getting rid of the debt before you start investing because it's like this huge headwind pulling you back yeah and uh yeah just cut the excess it's like discipline through subtraction it's like get rid of the stuff holding you back and then you're free to move so much more faster and quicker and better because you don't have the stuff dragging you down anymore mm -hmm. no, for sure well said it's it, it, i always say start with why just like simon sinek's book start yeah. with why figure out what is stressing you out the most is it the physical clutter in your house is it the mental excess is it all of the ideas and thoughts that are not serving you is it digital excess what area and then i would i would focus on that area first and then it will trickle into the other areas for it's me. tough to even have the time to focus on that when you're in that state of just chaos with so much stuff going on yeah i mean and that's why it's good to compartmentalize okay like where am i going to start first okay like if, if let's say mental clutter is the most challenging it's like okay what am I going to do first? Okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to get a therapist, start with therapy, or I'm going to start writing down my thoughts and throwing, throwing, recycling those pieces of paper. Just physically writing them down can be very, very helpful. Uh, start talking to a friend. There's all these things that you can do. And that's what we talk about on the podcast, like all these different outlets and all these ways that we can help you in those areas. For me, I started with my closet and then it trickled down from there. And uh, oh, it's so rewarding. It really is. It's like the best feeling on earth. It really, you want to know why it's the best feeling on earth? Because it's a sense of freedom yes. when you don't have much. So I, you know, and earlier in my, in my life, like I, I used to be a model and I lived in Hong Kong and Tokyo. I got to live in Los Angeles as well, which is amazing. I got to travel the world and in traveling so much, you learn to travel with a light carry on mm -hmm. and you don't want to have a lot of stuff. Because first of all, you don't have much space in a model apartment. And second of all, you just learn that, oh, you know, you just feel, I don't know, I feel overwhelmed when I have too much stuff. Yesterday, Lauren asked me, she's like, oh, what would you prefer to have more stuff 
or like more mental clutter. And I was like, honestly, I'd rather have more mental clutter because I think my physical calm space helps me keep calm mentally. Totally. <laughs> it's like an extrapolation so. of your inner world. That's right. It's, that's just like the the book I think you mentioned, Outer World or something. Oh Outer yeah, uh, Outer Order, Inner Calm. And uh, the minimalist T.K. Coleman, he also said uh, that physical clutter is a manifestation yes. of mental clutter. Yeah, and it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. When it comes yeah. to the physical stuff. They definitely because the physical stuff it. causes so much mental clutter. Mm. And the mental clutter causes all the physical clutter. Like yeah. if you ever see someone's desk and it's just covered in books and papers and stuff, like yeah. those things are all robbing your attention. They're grabbing your attention and, and it's sure. just like all fears and little things that you don't want to take care of and that you're procrastinating on and all these negative emotions just calling out at you as you sit there and try and focus on one thing. Like, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. For sure. And if if you have a listener who's thinking, yeah, I'm so distracted all the time, I recommend Nir Eyal's book, Indistractable. It is so good. Okay. There are so many tips that you can take away from that book. Okay, yeah. cool. So at the end of this podcast, I definitely want to get all your guys' best resources. So do you think it's the physical clutter starting for people? Just that's the easy access entry point is start with the physical? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I always say start with your closet <laughs> because it's the place that we go into every morning. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Again, start with your why. But if it is physical clutter, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go into your closet. And if you're seeing all four seasons in your closet and 100 plus pieces of clothing, that's the first decision you have to make every day. And if it's a very challenging decision, that's how you're starting your day. That's not... So anyway, so Lauren and I, we decided to put our two heads together and build this closet decluttering e-guide, our own method, uh, which was quite the success, which is on our website for people to download. And now Lauren runs closet decluttering courses with our listeners. So live courses. It's incredible. So is this something you do on like Zoom or is it's, this, it's are you going Zoom. to people's places and actually helping them? I have gone to people's places more as just like a learning experience, but no, I do them live over Zoom and they're pre-recorded. But I think the closet's such a great place to start because most people only wear 10 to 20% of their wardrobe and we all have to get up and get dressed every day. So my system is creating outfits you can wear in rotation. It allows you to wear your entire wardrobe. You can get up and get ready quickly and efficiently. You can look nice every day without any effort and you're really only shopping once or twice a year. So The average American is purchasing about 68 new items a year. So with my system, you're looking at about four or five, if we can get down to that. So, you know, once you've done your closet, the beauty of minimalism is that you use all of your stuff. Everything you own is of use to you. It's of value to you. You love it. And when you start with your closet, you're wearing 100% of your clothes. That will trickle over into other areas of your life. And to start with your home, I would walk into a room and say to myself, what do I do in this room and what do I need to perform those activities? Your living room, maybe you watch TV, maybe you read, I don't know, maybe you play a board game on Saturday night, maybe you entertain. What do you need to do that? A few pieces of furniture, a book, I read digital books (laughs) on my laptop, a television, maybe a board game. But yet most people's living rooms are jam-packed with stuff. They use them as storage rooms of stuff that has nothing to do with, you know, using that room as something where they can go and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, starting there, what do you use your office for? 
Well, I need to work. Okay, besides a laptop and maybe a glass of water, what else do you need to work at your desk? Like, why do you have all of these piles? I understand people have paper and, but you know, we are moving towards more of a digital society. So just really becoming aware of your surroundings and what you actually need and forcing yourself to use your stuff. Be like, okay, like for instance, your stingray hat. Be like, I'm going to make myself wear the stingray hat. Oh my God. And if I'm not going to wear it, then I have to get rid of it. Yes. Yeah. That total. That was, I guess, what went through my head yeah. subconsciously. Like, I am never wearing this thing. <laughs> okay. So, um, the closet thing specifically, you, yeah. you mentioned you have a system. Yeah. Um, what is the overall system if you had to sum it up? So, I create 20 outfits you can have more you can have less 20 is kind is of my like golden a capsule rules. wardrobe no it's not a capsule wardrobe okay. i do not like the capsule wardrobe <laughs> so quickly can you explain yeah. what that is the a capsule, capsule wardrobe. wardrobe yeah so the cat so there's two big ways of doing your closet the 10 item wardrobe and the capsule wardrobe the capsule wardrobe and does this apply to both men and women Absolutely. it does yes okay yes i've tested it on both Awesome. Um, so the capsule wardrobe is where you have a collection of pieces that all go with each other. And the 10 item wardrobe is where you have 10 items and extra pieces. But I argue that not all pieces go with each other. And everyone's, they're always like, oh, I'm going to buy this. It's a very versatile piece. No, it's not. Like you're not going to wear it 10 different ways. You're not going to remember all the different ways to wear it. Just create outfits, take pictures of them and wear them on rotation. I promise you it will simplify your morning routine so much and you will realize the clothes you actually like and that you actually look good in. So even Kelly and I getting ready for this interview, I was up and out the door and she's like, I don't know what to wear. We need to do my fall winter wardrobe. That's right. And I just sat there. I looked through the pictures. I'm like, I'm going to wear this outfit, put it on and was out the door. So I wear 100% of my wardrobe. I get ready in a minute or two every morning and... Yeah, I feel like people have these wardrobes stuffed full of clothes. And every time I see them, they're in like sweatpants. Because they're like, I'm not going in there. Yeah, it's just too chaotic. It's too chaotic. It just reminds me of my dad. He has a full workroom full of tools. He has every tool under the sun. But he oh. can never find the tools. Right. Because the tools are just, they're in three locations. They're scattered all over. I'm like, dad, you would be 90% more efficient at all the jobs you do because he's a really handy guy. If you just organized your tools, you would know where they all are. Like you would cut off 90% of the time doing the jobs because most yeah. of it's spent finding the tools. That's right. It's like that Atlantis Morissette song. 10,000 spoons, but all you need is a knife. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> well, wait, I want, this is the advice I would give your dad. I would take the tools that he uses most often and put them in one place. And then the tools that he needs is sometimes... And then get rid of all the duplicates and the rest that he never uses. That's a great okay. example. Yeah, yeah that's yep. great. So yep. it's it's just so overwhelming it to is. deal with it. Like my dad has just avoided this problem for like, mm. well, his entire life, <laughs> just dealing with the tools. And uh, I kind of get it. Like it's just so overwhelming. It's such a big project. Having these rules really helped me go through all this stuff. Did you guys have set rules or frameworks you were you were sticking to or continue to stick to? to deal with your stuff? I mean, it's really a, a learned, it's a mindset, it's a learned behavior, and it then influences all other aspects of your life. So for, for example, talking about the closet, so once I declutter my closet, you go through this short process, and we talk about it in our e-guide of, you know, you have a keep pile, you have a sell donate pile, you have a recycling pile, and then the pile, of course, that you're letting go of. 
And after that, and once you have everything lined up, you get an idea of what you own. And then you start realizing, you know, you can now invest in higher quality pieces because it's really about price per wear. People think, oh, you know, minimalists, they don't own many clothes and their clothes are probably cheap. No, no, no. We focus on sustainable, high quality materials that will last last us a long time. Quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. So we don't have to keep replacing these items. And you know what's the best? Honestly, I used to go into my favorite store, Ritzia, for example. And I used to be overwhelmed. I'd be like, oh my goodness, I like everything. I was just so anxious because I liked everything and I didn't know where to look or where to go. And and even now, it's like 2020 specifically, I bought one clothing item all year. And it's because I now know what I own. So when I go into a store, I'm like, I don't feel overwhelmed at all. I feel like I don't need anything. Every time I go into a store, I'm like, I don't need anything because you know what you own, so you know mm-hmm. what you need. Yeah, you and can go in there and just snipe things. Yeah. Instead of like machine gun spray, just buy everything. That's right. This is my guy logic to buying women's clothing. Right. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's a mindset. You become more intentional with everything that you do in your life. And of course, it's imperfect. I always say it's imperfectly perfect because it's, it's, it's not about perfectionism. It's just about living a simpler, more intentional life. I mm-hmm. can't press that enough. You know, It's people, a practice. It's a practice. People think, oh, you know, minimalism is a cult. It's like, no, no, no. Minimalism is just a mindset for being mindful. And yeah. And living living out a life that's true to yourself, and I, I argue that it's the most fulfilling way to live. Yeah, I I would I'm on board with that. Just the freedom it creates. Yeah. Oh my God! Like, there's no better feeling than just decluttering, purging, getting rid of that stuff. So how, so I know people are thinking right now, listening to this, especially because we have probably a bit of an older audience. How much stuff do you guys actually own? Because someone might be listening and be like, how do these girls live? Like, do they have three spoons, two forks? Well, why don't we describe each other? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I moved in with my boyfriend about a year ago, so my place was significantly more empty. (laughs) But um, yeah, let's just, do you want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. So Lauren's space before she moved in with her boyfriend, very, very minimal. Uh, It looked like she had just moved in. Uh, it looked like a stage place for, you know, a home that someone's going to sell. Uh, and I loved it. I remember opening up her cupboard and seeing all the glassware neatly aligned. And I was just like, wow. I was just like, wow. It's just like really, really. It used to be our recording studio for a podcast. It was always Lauren's, Lauren's home. Then she moved in with her boyfriend. And originally, he, he's a lawyer, so he has a lot of books. He has a lot of stuff. But Lauren was able to just organize it all and go through it all with him. And, you know, we always say if you lead by example with your own lifestyle, other people around you will start noticing the benefits and start mm-hmm. picking it up. It's a big part, the friction, right, between yeah. the people that you live with. So Lauren's boyfriend's been so amazing in that regard. He's seen the benefits in Lauren's life. And so he's following suit. And Lauren's house is beautiful. But I know Lauren always. So I just I just moved into a new apartment. And uh, Lauren's like, every time I come here, I feel like it's just like you have left and less and less because <laughs> a little bit of, a, of an obsession but yeah we've got what you actually use so you've got maybe your couch yeah a little coffee table oh my goodness like you, it's it's not like what's the word an aesthetic um lifestyle is that the word for sure i mean minimalism is a certain aesthetic but it's also a lifestyle i like to say and if you walk into my house, you know, you walk right in, you turn left, it's the kitchen with the, with a large island. I accessorize with candles and maybe fresh flowers. Then you go into my living room and my old living room, I had a couch and a TV and all these shelves and all the stuff that I never watched the TV. So I said, when I move into this new house, 
what is my intention? Okay, what do I want to do in this room? Mm. Well, I want to stand up desk because I want to work. I want to keep building what we're doing right now. My mission is X. So I have this white stand up desk. It's very minimalistic. I have a couch, a side table, a plant, another plant. I it's very simplified because when I walk into my place, I want to feel calm. And a lot of our listeners ask, ask us like, how can I make my place feel more calm when I walk in the door? And so we share our advice on that. And uh, gosh, it's, it does wonders. And, you know, I always say, keep your place. So it's always ready for company. My dad told me that when I was young and Mm. I live by that. And, you know, doing the dishes before you go to bed. So when you wake up in the morning, like I wake up in the morning every morning, I'm like, I feel so grateful. You know, I live in the city and I don't live in a massive apartment, but I live in an apartment that is conducive for my lifestyle and good for one person. And I feel so grateful and it's like clean and spacious and yeah. Have you ever seen those heat maps of how people live in their home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they only use like a certain percent. Like 10%, 20%, like anything in life, like the 2080 uh, thing. That's the problem I see. It's like people buy these big homes and then they end up saying, oh gosh, I have all these rooms. Well, now I got to buy all this stuff to fill fill all these rooms, rooms, but you don't need to. Lauren came to my house the other day. She goes, I love how you have cupboards with shelves with nothing in them. Yeah. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Kelly and I definitely love the aesthetic of minimalism. Like that's super simple, you know, only like a few pieces of decor and neutral colors. I love opening up a cupboard and it's just a few glasses lined up and, you know, the uniformity of dishes, like just the peace it brings you in the morning. Like even after you took the knickknacks out of your bedroom do you mm-hmm. do you like the way it looks of course but, yeah, yeah. Yes. everything so, in my life is better since adopting this kind of lifestyle yeah. everything oh that makes me so happy yeah and i still have a long ways to go and as as we were kind of talking about before the the podcast like i'm more of a i would label myself an aspiring minimalist i don't i know there's still stuff that mm-hmm. is holding me back that i haven't got rid of in all areas of my life and it's it's a continuous practice like it is for everyone like you just grow out of things for sure. And it's, uh, it can be quickly, like, you know, two months before you had a certain lifestyle or whatever. Now things have shifted mm-hmm. and you got to eventually make that shift mm-hmm. to keep up. Otherwise your old little past life starts dragging you down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I always say that this lifestyle is specifically great for people who are going through a lifestyle transition. It's a, it's a clean slate. It's a fresh new start. Yeah. I like to say. I'm really glad I found it before I moved to Oakville this past year because yeah, I moved yeah. into a brand new apartment yeah. and I was so intentional about every single little mm. thing. And I didn't like I didn't have a couch for two months because I was like, let me see where I actually spend time in this apartment. Smart. Like, where do I actually want to sit down? Like, where does the light come in and I actually want to hang out during the day on like a Saturday afternoon? Like, how big of a couch? How much am I realistically going to use? Like, if I get this big, is it going to take away space here? Like, how do I actually use my kitchen? Like, when I'm cooking, I notice, like, the spices, you know, like, if I just move them to this cupboard, it'd be way quicker. And then, you know, when my girlfriend's in the kitchen, I'm not reaching around her to grab this. And it's, like, being intentional about every little thing, which might sound anal or, like, unnecessary, but all these tiny little things I found compound. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you've saved hours upon hours. Like, I deleted social media from my phone. How many hours has that given me back? Yeah. So what do your guys' phones look like? And your digital life. How do you guys keep that clear? All black. <laughs> yeah, same. So our phones, my phone's in my bag, but it's it's fun because whenever uh, someone says, oh gosh, my, my phone is such a distraction, I'll say, well, 
check out my system. <laughs> Basically, we we take all of our applications and we put them in one folder at the bottom of our phone. So when we open up our phone, it's clear. Mm-hmm. It's just a clean picture or we just keep <laughs> a black image. So that, you know, the thing is, when you open your phone, it's got all those red dots. Those red dots are telling you this is urgent, this is urgent, when really they're not urgent things to respond to. Mm-hmm. And gosh, gosh, having the phone, I try to put the phone specifically in another room while I'm working. But then, of course, there's applications on our computer now that we can we can send through iMessage and whatnot. You got to be careful with that. Shut those off. There's all these things that we can do to. We are distracted every few seconds, and so yeah. to be able to manage that is. Oh, you know those feelings where you get in that flow state. Yes. This is the best feeling in the it's world, the right? And I feel like we're kind of in a flow state right now. Which is yeah, because you're <laughs> locked in. Yeah. <laughs> I find that with podcasts, when you're having a really deep, meaningful, engaging conversation, you're locked in. You're not thinking about the shit you have to do after this or whatever. That's right. That's right. And we don't get many moments of that. Uh, but with this lifestyle, we do, which is great. You really find that. I do. Because like, I, I believe it. and I'm all in on it. And, uh, you know, I've tried getting people in my life all in on it. They're like, yeah, like, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, there's such pushback mm-hmm. because I think it reflects all the clutter in their lives back onto them. For sure. Yeah. They and they might not even consciously realize that. And what I, you know, I've definitely learned in my life when I find something that I get very passionate about or that I think will improve other people's lives, I have made the mistake in the past to try and push mm-hmm. it on to other people as opposed to leading by example. And now I'm like, man, you live your life. I'm going to live mine. If what I do inspires you in some way, great. I'll be happy to chat with you about it. That's right. And I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. And the beauty of minimalism too is that, you know, you start getting rid of stuff and then it's like, oh, I don't use this. I don't want this. And then you start questioning other things. It's like, do I like my job? Do I like my partner? Do I like my friends? Like, do I like how I spent my time on the weekend? Yeah, let me get rid of this partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's dragging me down, man. <laughs> no, I love mine. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just, it does. It makes you question so many things. Yes. And one of, you know, aside from the aesthetic, one of the other things I absolutely love about this ex- lifestyle is that I'm such a passionate person. Like I have so many interests. I like have done stand-up comedy. I sail. I ski. I'm a huge reader. I podcast. I sell real estate. I teach courses. Like I have such a full life because I'm not sitting scrolling on my phone all day. I'm not wandering around the mall. I'm not cleaning stuff like dusting little ornaments on my shelf that there's a hundred of them you know like I have so much time to like live my life and live these experiences and pursue my dreams and spend time with my parents and my friends or just sit alone and look out the window and collect my thoughts so Mm -hmm. it gives you all of that stuff back and it's so beautiful I feel like you know you say your friends and family who push back once they see the benefits that you're reaping they'll you know first they make fun of you and then they ask you how you did it yeah 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 Yeah, exactly people are envious of how lauren lives now and speaking of the the phone i want to go back to that i interviewed Catherine price she wrote a book called how to break up with your phone okay really really good book but in our discussion in the interview she talks about how she was off for maybe a book signing or something like that in new york and she was in a cab sitting there in the back, not listening to music, just looking out the window. And the cab driver said, is everything okay? (laughs) Because he was just like, you're so present. You're just looking out the window. Like she Mm. was just enjoying peaceful time for herself. She wasn't looking down at her phone. I find a lot of us, we feel the urge to always look down our phone, especially try to spend, and I'm speaking to your listeners, try to spend a full day 
without carrying your phone outside in the world and see how everyone interacts with their phone. Like you're in an elevator, everyone head down at their phone, right? Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate because we are more connected than ever, but we're also more disconnected. So, and that's it's something that we always think about in this lifestyle. It's like we 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 have all this stuff. People accumulate stuff to feel a sense of connection when really we just we actually need more genuine connection with people. And I, there's this, there's this lovely lady named Tracy McCubbin. We had lunch with her in Los Angeles. She's a decluttering expert to the stars. And she talks about how we end up clinging to our stuff because of an emotional issue. It's an emotional issue for all of us. It starts there. She says there's emotional clutter blocks. So those are the things like, oh, I'm going to hold on to X item because my mom gave it to me, even though I don't use it, or I'm going to hold on to that guitar because I want to learn how to play one day, when really it's a fantasy version of yourself. You know you're never going to play. Yeah, like you mentioned that earlier, and I really like that. I've never heard that. It's a fantasy version. Yeah. So we cling on to these things that we think that we'll use one day, but we won't actually. Or we, we you know, there's all these pressures to, to hold on to these things. There's these clutter blocks that block us from getting rid of them or there's things that we hold on to that maybe are causing negative thoughts to come and arise into our minds which is not good it's like maybe you received a gift from an ex or something it's like is that serving you today if it's not then let go of it so there's all these clutter blocks but another step further is she talks about clutter magnets there's clutter magnets and these are these are the emotions that cause us to buy things we don't need in order to fill an emotional void so she gave the example in our interview about how there are some people who are so lonely that they'll go and they'll go to a store just to connect with the salesperson. They'll buy items because they want a sense of connection, right? Mm. And like that's, you know, they buy all these things even though they know they're not going to wear it, but they go there for the connection. Retail therapy. Yeah, right? that's right. Jeez. What, so is this where clutter just stems from? Is just emotional blocks and, and emotional uh, and emo negative emotions and just trying to avoid those emotions yeah i mean a lot of the stuff that we accumulate that we don't use yeah what has been the hardest things for you guys to get rid of oh for me the area of excess that is the most challenging well the areas of excess that are the most challenging for me that i'm still working through it's a constant journey it's a lifestyle journey lauren and i are hoping that we run this podcast through for many, many years, maybe when we're grannies one day, that'd be yeah. incredible. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. This is just like a passion project of your guys. Like, oh my this gosh, this yeah. is five years in of so much learning and uh, learning with our listeners, right? It's a journey yeah. for us together, which is great. I would say that digital clutter is the most challenging for me. I used to love taking pictures. So all through my university years, all my travels as a model, I have so many pictures. And so right now I'm taking time every single day. You know, you got to chip at it a little bit each day. It goes a long way to, you know, you know, what are my favorite photos? Keep those. I've got way too many photos in my phone. So digital clutter is something that I'm working on. Although compared to my friends, not as bad, but it's still, I want to be more intentional with that. Lauren and I joked the other day, we're like, if someone ever takes our phone to take a picture of us, you know, like, let's tell them, like, we only need five photos, not 25, but not one, because we we want to have a nice yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, delete four and keep yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah exactly. For yeah. sure. <laughs> but yeah. digital clutter, and Lauren and I, we're so lucky that we have each other, because mental excess is, is something that is very challenging for the two of us. Mental clutter is, 
I mean, we're pursuing our dreams. And sometimes when you're doing that, it's, it's very hard because it's not the status quo and people around you, your peers aren't always living the life that you are. And a lot of the time as an entrepreneur, you're working by yourself. And so you feel very alone in that. So I think having, you know, a therapist, having friends like Lauren, uh, really helped me manage that mental, mental access. Do you guys serve as like accountability partners for each other with the minimalism specifically? Like, Oh, absolutely. And your struggles to get rid of things. I'll never forget. We went to an event. Gosh, I think this was last fall. I love gift bags. I've always loved gift bags, but you know, the freebies that you get, (laughs) I I grew up with a mom who loves freebies. I mean, Mm -hmm. who doesn't really? Right. And I'll never forget the time where Lauren's like, no, no, I don't want that. (laughs) No, no, I don't want it. She's almost like scared of freebies. It's so funny. And now I'm like, no, I don't need that. I actually won something the other day, won something that is really substantial and I want it. And it was the first time in my life that I was like, I don't really need this. And I'm like, wow, like that's amazing. Like I, I want an iPad. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't really need this. So yeah. it's like, I want to be intentional. So it's, it, I mean, it's lovely to win it and I'll definitely use it towards something else that I do need, but so you kept the iPad. I kept the iPad, but hopefully I can exchange for something that I do need. Right. Yeah. So you could sell it, donate it. That's right. That's right. Give it to a friend. That's why I say, you know, the gift is in that active giving, you know, it's, it's up to you what you want to do with it once you get it. So, yeah. You yeah. really have to play defense with this stuff. Mm. Like you have to put the yeah. walls up and be like, no, I'm not taking that. Nope. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. It's decision-making. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, it actually simplifies decision-making, which is great. We have to make so many decisions every single day. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would say that the most challenging thing to, for me in my entire life was making decisions, making discrete, concrete decisions. And this lifestyle has helped me be a, become a better decision-maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all suffer from decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it's literally a muscle. And the more decisions you make as you go through the day, you wear down that muscle. And like your point about the clothes it was easy for you to pick out what to wear because you didn't have to make 19 decisions that kind of wore down on that muscle. So now you're going to have more willpower later on in the, in the day to exercise if you want to exercise, to not snack if you don't want to snack, whatever it is you're trying to yeah. do. Like when your willpower is depleted at the end of the day from making these decisions, you suffer the consequences. But if you can just eliminate those decisions entirely in the first place, then you leave yourself a lot more willpower. And then I think being disciplined is much easier. Like I've learned for myself, I need to go to the gym the very first thing upon Mm -hmm. waking up because it's actually the easiest way to do it because I'm not thinking about it and like, you know, dreading it later on. My willpower hasn't run out yet. So it's, so people hear when I I wake up early, I go straight to the gym. Like I told my buddy that the other day, he's like, oh, that's nails, man. I was like, trust me, it's not like, this is like, this is the coward's way out because Mm -hmm. it's so much, it takes so much less willpower to just get up. Cause I'm waking up halfway in the middle of my workout. I'm like, trust me, like this takes less willpower than going after work at five or 6 PM. Yeah. So I don't know. It just frees up space. Did you go this morning? I did. Oh, amazing. Do you put your clothes out the night before? So, you know, it's like, that's the first thing I have to do. And I roll into it and put it on. Oh, that is so great. Oh, that's amazing. And then right when I come home from my workout, I like throw it in the wash, take a shower, whatever. And then I set out the clothes again. Oh. And I'm like, all right, you know what you're doing. So automatic. Yeah. And so that's another huge thing I've realized is um, a lot of minimalism is just building systems. Mm -hmm. Yes. I live my life on systems. My meals are systems. My closet's a system. So how do you, so, okay, so, so what else is systems? And then how do you actually systems, systematize some of these things? So my closet, 20 outfits, 
and I do them for spring, so warm months and cold months. So 20 for each? Yeah. Okay. And there you would consider just the two seasons, like cold and warm? Yeah. Okay. So not like a four season thing? No, I don't do four seasons. <laughs> I just wear a heavier coat or change the shoe if... Like you layer up in those colder. little spring fall transition. Okay. So 20 outfits, that's including gym? Uh, no, gym and sleepwear is extra. Okay. Yeah. But just like living your life outfits. Yeah. You can have more or less. It will vary a bit, but 20 is kind of the golden one. And then my meals, I have a list of breakfast, lunches, and dinners that I just make on rotation. And I only have the ingredients and the stuff that I need to make those meals in my kitchen. I feel like you don't even have to try it this. You're just like, yeah, this is this is how I live my life. What yeah, talking this is about? just What's who I am. <laughs> but there's other things I struggle with. Like you were saying, you know, what are you still working on? And I really struggle with mental clutter, you know, like... I'm like, oh, like, did I, even I'm sure later today I'll be going to bed. I'm like, should I have said that on the podcast? Like, it's that, you know, mental clutter going through your mind. Or, you know, I feel like millennials run a little bit on the anxious side. Or, you know, I worry a lot. I, my mom worries. I love her, but I definitely get that from her. So I still struggle with that mental clutter. And I aspire so much to have this calm, peaceful mind Hmm. and calendar clutter. I'm always, anytime someone's like, let's do this, let's go here, let's book this. I'm always up for it. And now I have to stop myself and be like, if you have to go to that right now, would you want to do it? I'm like, oh, probably not. No. I'm like, then like say maybe or I'll let you know or tell them you can't make it like you there's so many you don't want to do it now you're not going to want to do it later yeah I always ask myself that because there's times you know it's like do you want to go to a Jays game on Saturday sure and then it comes up it's like oh I don't know if I want to go now yeah (laughs) well yeah I mean this lifestyle is also about helping us be more intentional with our time which means setting boundaries right and yeah. Lauren has come a long way with that. I remember Lauren was always, yes, 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 yes. And I was like, oh, I can always count on Lauren to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then she started saying no. And I was like, oh, but I was like, I respect that. I was like, <laughs> I respect that. I know, absolutely do. And we, you know, on the podcast, we talk about how to manage FOMO <laughs> and how to manage FOBO, which is the fear of better options. I mean, mm. gosh, we, we social live, media is just the worst social media, dating apps. We live in this world where, you know, if something breaks, we don't fix it. We just buy something new or we go to the go to the next person. You know, something's imperfect. Then we're just, oh, there's another person. It's unfortunate. You know, I think we need to sit back and think even with our stuff, it's, hey, if this is broken or if this is getting worn out, how can I still use it? Or you're having a conversation with a friend that's not or you're not seeing eye to eye on something and you sit down, you converse about it. You know, let's solve the problem versus just leaving the room. And that's the beauty about Lauren and I and our relationship. If we ever have an argument, which is extremely rare, it lasts probably seconds and what do you, what would you guys it. argue about? Yeah, that's true. I don't just like when we're traveling and stuff, but it's so funny. We'll like come to each other in a calm manner and be like, "Oh, I didn't like when you did this," and we're like, "Okay, well, we work through it." Yeah, so. which is good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's important, but I think it's because, I mean, we always say, I mean, what I've learned in my life is that the whole point of life is to let go of our ego, and mm. so. I think living this lifestyle as well helps you do that. It helps you say sorry. It helps you be like, oh, yeah, I was in the wrong. I'm sorry about that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, even just the clothes. I was wondering, like, when you say you have 20 outfits, was it a struggle to get past what others might think of you if you just have 20 outfits, which is a lot of outfits? Yeah, no one would bat an eye. 
they like no one notices. Nobody notices. No right? notices. In fact, I think I wear more of a variety of outfits than people who have these jammed closets and who are always at the mall or just wearing, you know, what's on the floor because they don't have time to figure out what to actually wear. Yeah. Huh. Like I've even some people I, I tell them I'm a minimalist and they're like, oh, I would never know. You like don't <laughs> look like a minimalist or dress like a minimalist. I'm like, because I I wear my whole closet. So I probably wear similar amount of clothing as other people. I just don't own the other 80%. So you guys obviously would identify as like, quote unquote, minimalist. How do other people react to that in your guys' lives? Friends, family? Yeah, you know what I love is it's a conversation starter. Whenever I say, oh yeah, I have this podcast called Millennial Minimalists. Lauren and myself, we are minimalists. They'll be like, oh, you know what? I have a closet full of stuff and I've started to go through it. They have a story to share, yeah. which is the best. I love that. That's yeah. that's the best. Everyone can talk about it. Everyone can relate to it. And I think one of the biggest issues today is that baby boomers have so much excess stuff and their adult children don't want their stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem that we really want to solve. It's a big problem. So on Sunday, so my grandfather passed away this past month or so. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Long life, all good all good but uh we're cleaning out his house on sunday yeah and so a lot of minimalism stuff was going through my head because he was 97 like he was born in 1926 he grew up during the great depression Crazy. and i think i have some of his like great depression genes in me because just you know the not wanting to get rid of things just in case you need them or because you just hate waste or because it's like a free thing like Mm. the freebies thing right like you just don't want to say no to like a free thing when you know things cost money and stuff, but man, he had so much stuff in his house and maybe 1% of it is stuff that people actually wanted, mm-hmm. like as we were clearing it out. And it was just, uh, all I was picturing was the amount of like life energy and the amount of money that it costs to buy all these different things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's just like, I don't know, a lifetime of money that went into purchasing these things yeah. Yeah. that could have been used for all these different things. Yeah, Experiences over mm-hmm. things we like to say. Yeah. Experiences. And then, so we're selling his house and it's probably worth about 900,000. And uh, he had the mortgage paid off and everything. But in his later years, he really like held himself back from living the most full life he could have. Like he could have had a house cleaner in there helping him clean he could have had people helping around the house and he's really, really struggling through his later years and he wanted to have this thing to pass down, which is great, but it was like you could have tapped into some of your your money and, and just had, a, I don't know, an easier life. Yeah. And it would have made everyone's lives in my family a lot easier because we picked up a lot of the slack and I think everyone would have been happier with that. And uh, he just grew up in such a different mm-hmm. era, I think, where he grew up dirt poor in the Great Depression, like nine brothers and sisters on like a farm and... Uh, he just accumulated things throughout his whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point about how it's different for us, you know, that's definitely something to take into consideration. But because it is so different for us, because we have so much excess now, I think you need to to fight back against that. Mm-hmm. Were you with your family members going through the things together? Yeah. And what did you do with the, the excess stuff that you didn't want? Dump. Mm. Yeah, got a dumpster on the driveway. You didn't sell any items or donate any uh, So yeah, so we held a bunch in the garage actually yep. to, to donate to Habitat for, for Humanity. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And how was that experience for you and your family? Do you think that it brought you closer in ways? So my mom is very sentimental. Mm. So she, there was a ton of things that we were like, yep, like dump. Like I'm, I was like, dump it all. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I 
aside from photos and some very, very, very maybe precious sentimental, sentimental items, but there's like this old plastic Christmas tree we would use every like family Christmas. And my mom was like, do you know how old this Christmas tree is? This is like 1950s vintage. She's like, I'm keeping that. And in my head, I'm like, all of the stuff I saw my mom keeping in my head, I'm like, I'm going to be getting rid of that 20, 30 years from now. Mm. And it's all this stuff that she's keeping. And I was like, this is how it just gets passed down generation to generation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was interesting going through it. There was a couple things that I held on to because I thought they would bring value to my life. And so we brought them home, I think like one chair, maybe mm. I think and a couple tools. And I was like, but if I don't use these yeah. things, I'm going to pass them on. Right. Good. I love that, that you said, you know, it's just two or three things that really meant something to you and would bring value or that, you know, brought back that memory of your grandfather. You don't need a whole house full of stuff. Yeah. To keep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's definitely a practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the sentimental items one specifically, where do you find people struggle with that one? Well, there's a lot of stuff that's sentimental, right, in our lives. A lot of it can be. I mean, I know my mom, my dad specifically got a lot of stuff from his family, but there are items that are just sitting there collecting dust. If that's the case, you can just take a picture of it. I highly recommend yeah. that. And a lot of the items could be useful for someone else. Like my, my, my grandmother had all these beautiful coats, and my dad finally decided, let's just sell these coats because... They're just sitting in the basement collecting dust, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, uh, my, my parents are almost retired. My mom just retired. My dad's still working. But my mom is slowly going through all the items in the basement. And it's been such a rewarding process for her, but also me. She's like, oh, my goodness, look what I did. Like, it's so exciting. It is you a know? fun process going it's, through that stuff. It's such a, and it's Even if you don't keep it. Yeah, even if you don't keep it, I mean, especially if you don't keep it, it's the best feeling in the world, <laughs> yeah. especially when whenever I let go of something. And Lauren always says she comes to my house and I have less and less. When I let go of something, even if I don't sell it, even if I originally want to sell it and I just end up donating it, it's like, oh my goodness, now I don't have to worry about that item, you know? It's just, it just feels so much better. Do you ever feel a bit of resistance to getting rid of it, but then immediately after you, you fight oh. through that and get rid of it, you're like, God, I'm glad I yeah. did that. Yeah, so I always remind people, let's say you have an expensive, I don't know, suit or dress and you're like, oh, I can't sell it because I, I might wear it one day. But you know deep down that you won't. But you're like, oh, I don't want to get rid of it. But I guarantee you, once you get rid of it, you sell it, you donate it, whatever, you will forget that you ever even owned it. Yeah, you'll never later. think about it again. Which is the best thing. Yeah. I love yeah. it. So I always tell people that, okay, don't worry. It's going to be hard for a day. But then after a day, you're going to forget about it. It's such a mind trip. Yeah. You literally never think about it. I honestly can't think of one item that I let go of that I regret. Huh. Because, and also think about it, like, it's so funny, especially when people go on vacation, they're like, oh, I'm going away for a week and they bring these big suitcases and they're always checking a bag. And I'm like, my goodness, like you mm -hmm. don't need all that stuff. And then you, well, I challenge people to, when you come home from your vacation for a week with that big bag that an airline can potentially lose. So be careful with that. That's why I always carry on. Cause I lost a bag way back in the day. So I'm like, never again. <laughs> look through those items and see how many pieces that you actually wore or, or things that you actually use because it, you'll probably be only 20% and you mm -hmm. could have had a carry-on. Mm -hmm. And I joke with Lauren the other day, she went to Boston and she brought a little carry-on, but I always say her carry-on is always like half full. And I was like, well, you probably could have brought a backpack. She's like, yeah, but then people would have been thinking you're scary. <laughs> you're psycho. <laughs> yeah. I could probably get my whole wardrobe and carry on. Yeah. It's definitely a spectrum of minimalism. and uh, Definitely. Oh, for sure. And you have to find what's right for you. Every lifestyle looks completely different. Yeah. I like to remind people that, you know, let's, we have the listener who's, 
kind of a famous painter in France. And, you know, a part of her lifestyle is to have a lot of paints and paintbrushes. And yeah. the place will get messy, but it's intentional mess. Like this is a part, if you're a fashionista, you can have a larger closet with more items in it, right? And for me, it's like, I love photos. I love photography. So my digital access is a little bit more than someone else's. So it's really being mindful about where that access is. Yeah, I've always thought to myself, like I want to be a minimalist in everything except like my wealth. <laughs> like I want yeah. as much assets <laughs> as fun. possible. And even then I know one day, hopefully I'll hit that number and I need to, I know I need to be intentional about setting yeah. a number because then I can, you know, move on to other things in life. But, uh, but I want to be a minimalist with everything else, you know, and there's other things, friendships. Sure. You know, meaningful conversation. Sure. Maximalist, but, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it does come down to intention. It does. Yeah. But if you hit that degree of wealth, maybe you're financially independent and then you can volunteer with things or you can do passion projects exactly. you don't necessarily get paid for or you you know like there's so many benefits to that that people don't recognize it's not like minimalists are allergic to money like once you have money or you like I said that financial independence you can put your time into a lot more meaningful things instead of maybe just going to a nine-to-five job that you don't enjoy mm -hmm. everyone struggles with time and you just this is a way to get your time back for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of people think like, I need to make X number of dollars to be happy. It's like, how do you know that? People, you always yeah. say, Lauren, just like, think about your number. What's your number? Figure out what your number is. What, what would make you happy? Right. And a lot of people don't know what that is. And people are like, oh, well, minimalists, they a lot of don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of stuff. And that's why they're minimalists. Like, no, no, no. There are billionaires who are minimalists. It's about being mindful with how you spend your money. Yeah. And I would say the best benefit of this lifestyle is that you can design your life around your work life versus the other way around. I think mm. in life we learn, oh, go to, go to college, then go get a job and then have that job set the precedent for every other area of your life. Like they're yeah. going to take over X number of hours and then you're, you can fill in the holes. No, no. You should be able to say, hey, this is my life and then fill in each piece. Yeah. So learning about minimalism to me, like is almost like seeing the matrix for what it is mm. after it. Right? Like once yeah. you go down the rabbit hole, you're like, you just start noticing the way people live their lives and how much their stuff is controlling them or all the clutter. And one thing I've noticed because I just have this like lens on now, like these glasses of minimalism is that a lot of super successful and wealthy people are actually minimalists mm -hmm. and they might not even know it. They might not describe themselves as that, but hearing them in podcasts and, you know, describing their lifestyles or what they do, it's very minimalistic. Like they're just focusing on the things that really push the needle for them. Like some of them are wearing the same outfits every day. They are the biggest minimalists out there. A lot of them don't own their own homes. They mm -hmm. rent their homes. It gives them more location flexibility. You're not locked into a mortgage you realize that a lot of successful people are minimalists. But to reach that degree of success, look at the time that that would take. Yes. So you would virtually have to simplify every other area of your life and yes. naturally become a minimalist. And I also want to say with money, a lot of people never think of this, but work backwards. Figure out what you want in the life you want and figure out how much that costs. I feel like money in our society is such a status symbol. It's like, I make this much, I drive this car, I have this much in savings, I have this much in investing, or I wanna make this much a year. It's like an arbitrary number that we're all chasing after. But if you sit down and actually ask yourself, where do I wanna live? What kind of car do I wanna drive? What do I wanna be doing in my free time? 
and then figure out how much that costs and how much you need to be making that's a lot more intentional of a life than I want to make a million dollars a year okay why like what are you going to spend that money on and it's like oh I want to drive a nice car why do you love cars are you passionate about them do you go to car shows do you read about cars or is it because you just want to drive around a nice car so that people think you're successful and mm-hmm. they think more highly of you mm-hmm. so like really the figure- person at the stoplight for like three seconds yeah looking over at you yeah for sure so it's like questioning and and we all have areas of our lives where maybe we want to buy you know if you love fashion maybe you want to buy a luxury bag or if you like cars you can buy a nice car or if you love home design or interior design maybe that's where you put your money but we're not all obsessed with every area of our lives so you can pick and choose where you want to spend money I think you know if it was the right decision if if you don't feel trapped by the purchase after for sure like a, like a car. I knew a guy, I used to work in a Pepsi warehouse when I was like 20 and we were making good money. And, uh, one guy was my age. So he was also 20 and he went out and bought a Camaro and it was like a $60,000 car, which was like our salary at the time. And, uh, two years later, he's like, man, I regret this purchase so Uh much. Like, he's like, I'm trapped by it. Like I want, just want to sell it. And by then it had depreciated so much. Mm -hmm. And it was just like such a trap that he fell into. And we all knew it around him too. We're like, I don't know. Don't you want to go to school? Don't you want to get out of this warehouse? Yeah. Like do something else? Be intentional with how you spend that money. People can say, oh, I want to make a million dollars. And then if they do, and then they start spending $2 million, right? It's about yeah. being intentional yeah. how about how you spend it. And we always say minimalists can still own nice things. We own yeah. nice things. I would say the, the less Probably you own, nicer things. The nicer things you can own. It's a paradox. It is. It is. Because think about it. A lot of people, they'll buy, let's say, uh, like 10 fast fashion shirts yeah. That only lasts a couple washes when you could just buy two or three really high quality shirts that can last you years and years. Mm-hmm. So and then the cost to wear you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Price yeah. per wear. Price per wear. Can yeah. you uh, explain that? Yeah. Well, Lauren's Lauren's a go to with that. So I'll let you I'll give that to you. So it's taking the item, how much it costs and dividing it by the number of times you'll wear it. Yep. Say you buy a shirt for a hundred bucks you should wear it at least 30 times. So price per wear should be about $3 or less. If you buy a top for 30 bucks, you should wear it at least 10 times. This is getting your the financial price out of how much your clothes are, like getting the worth out of them. That's kind of like the rule of thumb. Yeah. So if you're going to spend $1,000 on a jacket, you should be wearing it 300 times. Yeah, something like yeah. that. So. Are there other rules <laughs> like that that you guys... Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say they're rules. It's just methods that have worked for people right? Yeah. And, frameworks and for yourself. Frameworks. I mean, I, I have this tweed jacket and it's so, it's so satisfying when someone's like, wow, your jacket's so beautiful. And it's like, yeah, I bought it 13 years ago. And they're like, what? It looks brand new. It's like, honestly, when you own less and Gretchen Rubin always says this, when you get rid of the things that get or getting in your way, you end up taking better care of the things that you do use, mm-hmm. right? And so we take really good care and pride in the things that we do own. And so they last a lot longer. Uh, we feel better every day. I feel better in my clothes. You just feel, uh, yeah, it just, you know, when something hits you in your life that's that's challenging, you know that you have built a foundation that is sim- that is simplified and that keeps a sense of calm in your home and in your mind. And that makes it easier to work through. Hmm. So where do you guys see people get tripped up with this stuff? What, what holds them back from adopting this for themselves? I think it's the fear of getting started. It's just overwhelming. 
especially if there's clutter in all areas, right? Is where do I start? Again, it goes back to the drawing board of what is your why? What is stressing you out the most right now? Write a list, one, two, three, four, five. Number one, start there. I would say that. Okay. Yeah. So you start with the biggest thing. I would start with the biggest thing. It's just like at the top of the day when let's say it's Monday morning and you're, you're just dreading one thing that you need to get off your list. Do that first. Then everything's easier after. Mm-hmm. So I think the hardest part too is people don't want to admit that they have spent all of this money on all of this stuff. And you, the thing is you're, you won't have to manage that stuff anymore. So you'll get your time back and you will be so ruthless with purchasing stuff in the future. And there's so many times, like even having done my closet this way, I can look at a piece of clothing and be like, is this something I'm going to wear for three years? Or is this something I'm going to wear twice and get rid of? Mm-hmm. And when you're purging your stuff, you're going through your stuff, you're like, I just shop for entertainment. I buy this little trinket. I use it once or twice or play with it like a little kid. And then I just throw it in the corner and don't look at it again. And it once you're aware of that, you will stop doing it. Mm-hmm. It bothers. Yeah. Now it bothers me to see people get caught up with their stuff because I and I know I'm just like projecting onto them. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a reflection of like what I have found myself to do or what I've regretted about past decisions, like buying stuff I didn't yeah. need. And when I see other people doing it now, I'm just like, oh man, like don't do it. And yeah. it just like eats away at me, but I know I'm just pissed off at my former self yeah. for spending all this money on stuff. But you have to start somewhere. And I have to tell you, once you get to the other side, you're like, oh, this was so worth it. Yeah. And the, the problem is people are like, oh, I don't know where to start. Or if I do know where to start, it's like, I don't have enough time. So I recommend, you know, we all have the same amount of time in a day. I recommend habit stacking. It was BJ Fogg, I believe, who's a professor and best-selling author who talks about habit stacking. So if you already built a positive habit, add a new habit onto that habit. So for example, I have my morning routine. I love my uh, I love my athletic greens. I have some food. I I exercise. And it's like, and I brush my teeth. I'm always brushing my teeth. I brush my teeth too much. People always make fun of me, but brush teeth max. If you have, yeah, exactly. If you have an extra five, you just make it an extra five minutes in the morning, declutter some photos on your phone, tidy up your kitchen, just take five minutes and it will stack up every day. For example, if you want to lose weight, start by just driving to the gym and back. Mm -hmm. That's one step. Then go into the gym, go for 10 minutes, go for 15 minutes. And each time you do it, you'll get better and better and better and better at it. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see results, right? It, it goes back to systems and habits. It's all habits. Yeah. You have to change your habits. You have to let go of some bad habits and adopt new, better habits. And we actually talk about that in our upcoming episode. So This actually feels like a productivity conversation, mm-hmm. almost for more sure. so than anything else. Oh my gosh, with this lifestyle, you become more productive in all areas of your life because you have more focus, right? You have more calm and so you can focus better. And yeah, it's... it's One thing on the phone. So I I decluttered a bunch of photos that I had and and deleted a bunch of duplicates and stuff. And then I organized my pictures into different little albums. Mm. So you know when you want to show someone something from a vacation Mm -hmm. you took or something you saw and you're like, I just can't find it. And you're sitting there for like five minutes scrolling and you're like, ah, you know what? Like, forget it. But like the thing, it was cool. And you just go back to trying to describe it again. Now I know where everything is. So I can go to that album and be like, yep, here it is. Pull it up real quick. And it's been like a huge little life hack. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and another thing that I started before but failed at it because I gave myself the option to go back was I put my phone in uh, grayscale mode. 
Yeah. I have an opinion on that. Yeah. How, how did that work for you? So I, I had set it up as a shortcut on my iPhone where you click the side button three times and I can toggle back and forth between color and grayscale. Oh, and neat. So the reason I did grayscale is because I heard that you across the board use your phone 30% less mm. if your phone's in grayscale versus the colors because it just doesn't engage your brain the yeah, same way. interesting. But because I gave myself the easy out, I'd, you know, started off great like any habit and then I'd switch back, you know, more and more frequently and eventually I was just back to all color never went to grayscale so now I just switched it so now it's huge pain because I have to remember how to even change the setting in my settings app and go through and find the grayscale color filters and switch in I always forget how so now it's just stuck in grayscale it is annoying when you want to show someone a photo for example and they're like what, the hell is it? what happened <laughs> to your phone 100 years ago <laughs> but I would say like a lot of things you have to think about the bigger picture and the net benefit yeah. so the net benefit to my life is is having my phone in grayscale because I use it way less. I get more of my time back for whatever, for more important things. But the small little negatives, and there's little small negatives with anything, right? Is mm -hmm. that, uh, is that yeah, like it's a bit annoying sometimes if I want to show someone something. But then it's like, who cares? The net benefit is there. That's oh, right. for sure. Well said. Yeah, yeah. I love that. You're challenging yourself. I am. That's what this lifestyle is all about. Yeah. You know, if, it, if your life isn't what you want it to be today, then you need to make some changes. And it usually starts with your habits. I think minimalism is the most underrated aspect of personal development. For sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is personal development. That's what it is. True. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, I always like to say it's a way to face yourself and that's the scariest thing. And that's why people get scared to start. That's why you had some responses from people in your life. They're like, oh no, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it because even though I know that the other side will make me happier. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, I did, we just need to really push that forward. Okay, it's going to make you happier. Yeah. Everything is going to be lighter. Well, so when I got started, I was still living at home with okay. my family. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it started with my bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like that was my own space, full, complete ownership over it. So I started purging everything. And like you guys know how it goes. You get on a roll oh, and you yeah. finish with one thing. You're like, what's next? <laughs> like I'm getting rid of everything. Like there's nothing left after this. And you just get on a huge roll. And what was next for me uh, naturally was the rest of the house, but it's not my house. It's my family's house. So I started questioning all these different things like, ah, guys, do we really need this? Do we use this? And I just got in everyone's nerves <laughs> and everyone was starting to get pissed off with me. And now looking back, I get it because they weren't in the same mind frame, the mindset, they weren't diving down this rabbit hole. So for me, it was just a huge push for me to just get out of the house, move out because I could just create my own space mm -hmm. and I didn't have that pushback from people. Yeah. Now, have any of your family members adopted this mindset at all? Or are they seeing the benefits that you are getting from living a simpler life? Probably. Mm. Yeah. They haven't admitted it. They have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's but great. But in small ways, possibly. Over the past five years, Lauren and I, we have seen our mothers come a long way. Yeah. And it's really beautiful to see. You know, I get messages from my mom. She's sending me, oh, look what I did with the cupboard. I decluttered it and organized <laughs> it all perfectly. And she gets so excited. And I'm like, yeah. this is amazing. I never told you to, to do anything with that cupboard. I never told you to clean out X area. And But I remember when I started the podcast, <laughs> it's funny. Lauren and I like to joke around too, and we'll send each other pictures. And uh, I took a picture of uh, my, my family garage because my dad had bought something to store all these boxes he doesn't use. And it was like, you never want to buy something to store things you don't use. Yes. And you know, I felt bad because my dad was so excited. He's like, look what this compartment that holds all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, 
yeah, but do you use all that stuff? He's like, yeah, maybe not. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> we I, we recommend going through your stuff before buying new stuff, yes. right? You want to declutter the stuff and then get whatever you need to organize the stuff if you need it. Yeah, so. I wanted to ask you guys about that, like getting rid of stuff versus organizing it. Oh, it's completely different. Yeah. Two different things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when you're organizing, you're organizing the stuff you should be keeping. Well, I mean, there's the show, The Home Edit. I love the show. But, uh, you know, we have our own criticisms. It's, you know, they help families you know, organize their spaces, but the families aren't there with the organizers in the process. So the question is, how are they going to learn the behavior, right? How are they going to learn those habits they need to sustain this space in an organized way, right? So we really advocate for people working together in the process so that they learn how to maintain it. Right. The whole idea is like, oh, well, I'd love to see what that space looks like two months later. I'd love to see how the people have maintained it. Right. Yeah. It's like the weight loss shows. Yeah, exactly. You got rid of the weight. Can you keep it up? That's right. You need to learn the behavior. You need to learn the system, as you said before. Yeah. And at the end of the day, organizing takes time, which is fine. If if you want stuff and you want it organized, great. I don't want to spend my days organizing 20 sweaters I don't wear. I want to spend my time out living life experiencing it you know not to be cliche that life is short but it goes pri- no, it's by pretty short, quickly man. yeah yeah one does. of the few apps on my phone is a is a death countdown timer oh i need that <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds morbid but the theory behind it is like if you go on a vacation you know you have seven days in one place you really value every single second and minute in that space if you know you've got 52 years left which is about what mine and it's going off averages hopefully i'm healthy i live longer yeah but let's go with the 52 years holy shit i can't waste a single day yeah i love that i calculated the average person lives to 79 so i calculated how many days that was and how many days i've lived and i was like oh my god i only have this many days left yeah (laughs) it does it like puts a timeline and it makes a big difference of where you want to put your time if you want to spend it organizing well that's your decision but (sighs) i'd rather just have less stuff that i don't have to organize i mean the average person lives a thousand months when you put it in that way it's really scary yeah you're trading your life energy your money that you earn to to just buy this stuff yeah all right so where can people go to learn more to dive into your content oh my gosh absolutely i didn't realize you had so many big name people in the minimalist space and all these authors and stuff on the show That's yeah awesome. we had some we have some amazing guests uh we have a guest interview every month uh we've interviewed so many best-selling authors we even interviewed uh dr jed brewer he's a neuroscientist he talks about how to unwind our anxiety we cover all topics that topics of excess that get in our way and you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts at Millennial Minimalists on Instagram and Facebook as well. And uh, we've specifically chose those two social media platforms because we are minimalists and those are the <laughs> platforms that give us the most value. Okay. And on the website, you mentioned you had some resources. Yeah. You can go to our website to learn more about us, our closet decluttering e-guide, as well as our live courses with Lauren at mastersimplicity.com. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to share? Perhaps best books or resources or ways that things that helped you guys in your journey so i just want to end this my last thought this is not a life of deprivation i think people are like oh i don't want to get rid of all my stuff like with this you know applying minimalism to your life and living this lifestyle you get back so much more than you will ever get with a garage full of stuff or a closet full of stuff or a living room full of stuff 
you cannot put a price on your time and your relationships and your dreams and you will be able to have time to pursue those instead of wandering around a mall or skimming a website or looking at your phone all day. It really puts things into perspective. So I don't want people to listen to this and think it's a life of deprivation because it is the complete opposite of that. Dope. Yeah. I would challenge your listeners to think about what is their ideal lifestyle for them and how can they simplify their life? How could they live with greater intention? I would inspire everybody to take a step back. That's something that a lot of us don't do. Take that time to step back for you. Start writing. Speak to someone. If you know, like everyone knows if they're not pursuing something that is meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. It's that feeling in your gut. You know. And life is short, as we said. So take a moment to figure out what that is. If you already know what that is, start chipping away at the things that you can let go of so that you can pursue those things that are most meaningful to you. Dope. Love it, guys. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having us. We could talk forever. I know. We'll we'll do it again. We'll do it again. (laughs) Yeah, Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening. We hope that our discussion has left you feeling inspired and has given you more insight on the minimalist lifestyle and our experiences and learnings so far. And I am pleased to share that this episode has a full video recording and you can find this link in the show notes. So if you enjoyed this episode, please also check it out on YouTube and share it with a friend. And as always, you can learn more about Lauren and I and our closet decluttering e-guide and one-on-one closet decluttering courses on our website at mastersimplicity.com. I'd also like to take this time to say a big thank you to those of you who recently took the time to complete our Millennial Minimalist listener feedback survey a few weeks back. We honestly loved reading your responses and it's thanks to you that we now have such great feedback to work from to help us improve the podcast and further help you reach your lifestyle goals. Plus, I'd also like to thank those of you who have recently taken a moment to write us a kind five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your words really, really motivate us and help us bring on more exciting guests and also help our podcast grow. So thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next one-on-one conversation between Lauren and I in two weeks. Bye-bye.